My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Shanti Feldhahn. Shanti is a popular speaker, best-selling author, and a groundbreaking social researcher. Her findings have been featured in media as diverse as Focus on the Family, Family Life Today, The New York Times, and Cosmo. With a master's degree from Harvard University, Shanti has worked on Wall Street and Capitol Hill. Now she applies her analytical skills to helping people and relationships thrive. She and her husband, Jeff, live in Atlanta with their two kids. Shanti, welcome to Heroes for Her. I am delighted to be with you. Well, we're so happy that you're here, too. So you are a widely known speaker, author, and you're you're best known, I think, for all of your social research. And you've been doing this work for many years now. When did you feel like God was calling you to this work? And how exactly did you get started? (laughs) I actually stumbled over this. This was such an example of a God thing. I am, um, because I actually, like you said, you know, I started out on Wall Street, right? This is the furthest thing from my mind. And I, when I moved um, from New York to Atlanta, when my husband and I moved to Atlanta, which is where we live now, I had this, this opportunity to write a couple of novels um, and too, too long to get into that story. But, you know, this sort of came up out of nowhere. And this whole thing with the social research started because one of the main um, characters in my novel was a man, and I didn't know how to put thoughts in his head. Like, you know, I had to say what my main character was thinking, but what do I as a woman know <laughs> about what a so guy would funny. be like, thinking? Like, I don't right? know what he's thinking. Right? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. And so this whole thing started because I would ask Jeff, my my husband, or, you know, we'd be out to dinner with another couple, and I'd go to the other husband, and I'd say, okay, here's the scene in this novel that I'm writing, you know, what would you be thinking if this was you in this situation? And as these men started telling me what they'd really be thinking, I mean, half the time I'm like, seriously? Like, it it shocked me, some of the things I was hearing. And I did more of these interviews, and I realized, eventually, somewhere along the way, I started to realize, like, wait a minute, the, the stuff that I'm hearing this is really important. Like women need to know this. (laughs) This isn't just things that these men are thinking like once every few months. This is stuff that they're describing that's really deep in their heart, that's constantly on their mind every day. And I'd been married maybe eight years at that point. And I'm thinking, why have I not heard this before? And that's when kind of that analyst hat went on and I ended up doing a big research study of men. And that's why that book um, ended up becoming, I think, a a bestseller because it was based on this research. Like, really? This is how they think? I promise. Look at the numbers. Um, and, And it ended up putting me on a completely different path for my life than anything that I would have ever dreamed would happen. Well, and I, I like that, and it segues well into my next question, which is, okay, so you you were inspired, and you kind of stumbled upon, like, okay, I need to do this research. It's showing me things that are, are going to benefit people, and I'm going to put it in literature. But how did you notice, like, your own personal journey with the Lord being inspired, you know, based on what you were finding out? Like, like did, <laughs> did you, did you, was, did it impact you personally, professionally, both? Like, what did that look like? 
every conceivable way. I mean, literally, here I am finding out, and I'll just give you an example, right? So, you know, like I said, I've been married eight years, and we had an okay marriage. We had a good marriage sometimes, but there were plenty of nights, like one of us slept in the spare bed, you know, the spare bedroom, because we couldn't stand to be next to this person who I felt should care about me and didn't, you know? And we had, so we had plenty of contention too. And suddenly, one of the things I learned about men, for example, is that on the inside, they look so big and confident, you know, and on the inside, there's a lot of vulnerability and insecurity. And, and it's about whether I'm a good husband and whether I know anything of what I'm doing as a dad. And when I'm like, hey, you know, why, why did you not put the kids in their, their heavy coats when it's so cold outside? Like, I don't realize that I'm implying you don't know what you're doing as a dad. Actually, you're a failure. And suddenly, when I realized that what built him up was, you know, being affirmed instead and saying, thanks for taking the kids out to play rather than why didn't you put them in the right coats, that it everything changed. And suddenly, my relationship with the Lord is being challenged every day because I'm like, Lord, help me suddenly be a good wife. I'm, I'm suddenly learning all these things that I had no idea of before, and I'm having to really rely on God to get through this in a way that I really hadn't before. It's amazing too how like how God will take you on this journey, right? And you'll find these things out. And then as you start to apply them to your relationships, like really any relationship, there's just so much fruit in that. I love that so much. So you've been, you obviously are a follower of Christ, but you're also a researcher. So you've been studying, you know, what science says, what the Bible says. How did your, you know, studying and and trying to discern what God's telling you and, and your study of scripture, how did that lead you to want to wanna find out more about women and resting and all of the, you know, the stress and worry as it relates to women? Like, how did, how did that all lead you to this place, this season that you're in now? So here's really what happened is I was looking at, because we're all stressed, right? Like all of us as women, <laughs> we're running around like crazy people. Me too. You know, I'm a wife. I'm a, I'm a mom. I have two teenagers. I'm constantly like at a volleyball game and then running to the airport to go speak at a women's group. I know you understand. <laughs> um, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we're, we're running around like crazy. And I looked Really, I felt like God was pointing me to the scripture where Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that struck such a nerve because first of all, all of us are like, yes, I'm weary and heavy laden, <laughs> you know, and this promise, you will find rest for your souls. And I thought, okay, you know what? If this is a promise, that means it's possible. Like, because for some of us, it feels impossible, right? No, it's got to be possible because he says it's possible. And so what does that look like? You know, what does, for me, it's all about I'm a social scientist, right? And I found that everything science says, all of my studies have backed up what scripture says all along. And so if it's possible, and if there's a way to do it, then what does that look like? How do I find rest for my soul? And I started, as I started studying this, it was like God showed me something that I'd never really noticed before. Because you know how, um, as a busy woman, we're always told, okay, you have to slow down. 
Yes. Right. But that's like one of the main pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. You have to slow down or you have to take time off. And you know what? That, that actually may be true in your life. Like that may be true. However, really what I realized is that may be feasible for a short time. I'm not sure that it's feasible for a lifetime. We're just busy. Like it's a busy modern world that God has allowed us to be born into. And so, but yet Jesus promises you can find rest for your souls. And I looked at the scripture where he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke is actually a tool to help a beast of burden do his job well, like plow the field in the heat of the day or pull something heavy or whatever. Jesus isn't saying, here, let me take the yoke off of you and send you back to the barn to find rest. I, thank you so it's much for explaining working. that, though, too, because it's like, so when you hear take my yoke upon you, like all I heard, because like you're trying to evaluate what that scripture means, <laughs> all I heard is like, oh, that sounds heavy. And now I'm, and now God's telling me to carry it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm supposed right, to exactly. take it on me, like with all the things that I'm burdened with, like let's also pile on this let's yoke all, that Jesus is talking about. Thing. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and so, and so to me, there's a huge like, wow, there's a promise in that of doing this is in the middle of a busy life that we can find rest for your souls while you're working, while you're doing all the stuff that you're doing, just make sure it's my yoke for you. Mm, love that. And that was the starting point for me of going, okay, what does that mean? And that's where, as I started looking at what science says and what scripture says about the causes for stress and what it means to take his yoke upon us and what it means to be able to find rest for our souls. It was like this whole thing opened up and I'm so excited to share it. I um I really appreciate how you broke that down. I have a, a question that has to do with stress and exhaustion because ah. obviously we feel all of those things all the time. And I I personally get really frustrated when someone's like, "You need to slow down or you need to take time for yourself or you need to like can can't you simplify things so that you're not so busy?" And I'm like, "No, I can't." So <laughs> There's stuff that, you know, we as women, like we can see the whole picture. Our design is to, to be, you know, to use our intuition and to understand how the entire group needs to be safe and secure and like us ourselves. So we're, we're constantly, we have our hands in so many things all the time to just stop doing it. It doesn't make any sense to us, right? And we know that being busy, like from a cultural standpoint, has sort of become this status symbol. Like you're really efficient and you're independent and you're grinding and you're hustling if you're a busy person. But between all the things we have to do, like some of us are working in the home, out of the home. We have errands, we have kids, parents, friends, and then all of these different roles that we're trying to fill, like obviously stress and things like being exhausted, being overwhelmed are at an all-time high. So why did you feel like you've laid out in this devotional that you've written these eight essential elements for rest? And for those listening, yeah. guys, the devotional's name, the, the title is Find Rest, A Women's Devotional for Lasting Peace in a Busy Life. I would love for you to just talk a little bit about those eight essential elements that you've, you, you've thought yeah. through and researched and went, okay, Lord, you, you gave me this download. Like, why is it these eight elements and what does this mean for women? How is it going to help them? Yeah. The, these eight elements really are what it comes down to it. When you distill everything, it really is, this is what will help you to find rest. And it's, and that's really the reason we did it in a, in a devotional format, by the way, as a sort of a journey, because we're tackling one little bite-sized piece of an element, one of these elements each day, rather than trying to tackle it all at once, rather than writing a big book 
right? Because it could have easily been just a big book. You read it in a couple of hours and at one sitting, but then it's overwhelming. Like there's all this stuff that I have to do. Like that doesn't help me find rest. <laughs> yeah, now <laughs> it's just this big list that I made for yeah. like, now I have to uh, like a lot of tasks to complete. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't help. Yeah. And instead to sort of soak in a little bite-sized piece of one of these elements each day. And, and it's really truly just soaking it in and not even, there's, there's a, a bit of reflection, like, what, is this, what does this mean for me? But you will automatically start incorporating it without having to sort of sit and think and work on it. And then the next day, there's something completely different. And you kind of sit with that and you marinate with that. And then it just kind of soaks into your day. And then the next day and the next. So these, these eight elements of finding rest, it's not something more to do. It's who you are and how you're living and some of the habits of mind that are going to change everything. And so let me give you an example of one of them. One of the things that every, there's been tons of studies on this, including some of mine. And one of the things that we have found that really causes stress is that it's our perspective. Our perspective is actually causing us what we're looking on and focusing on and thinking about is actually causing some of the stress we wish wasn't there. And so, for example, let's just say I'm a wife who is, you know, busy running around and just frustrated as all get out that my husband doesn't really help with the chores. Like you're looking at the dirty dishes in the sink and walking right by them. Like what? <laughs> you know, like you expect me to do all the work. Right. I notice those every time they're in there. Like, why are you not noticing them? <laughs> Not noticing yeah, them and totally. just getting frustrated, right? And that's, and so you have the stress in your relationship and then you're angry and you take it out on him and, you know, and it, it goes downhill and it, you, but it's understandable. Well, one of the things that one of the scriptures and this fits with what science has found, there's a great scripture in Philippians 4, verse 8, where Paul has just told us to rejoice, right? Like, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I'm going to emphasize this. Rejoice. It's like, okay, dude, you're in prison. You're chained to a wall while you're writing this. So the church is persecuted. Like they're getting used as torches in the Roman Empire, in the games. Like, how do you rejoice in this situation? How do you rejoice in a difficult marriage? How do you rejoice when you see the dirty dishes in the sink? Like, really? What does this look like? And he gives us the answer. He says, okay, here's how you do it. You, you think on whatever is lovely. You think on whatever is excellent. You think on, you focus on what's worthy of praise rather than what's worthy of driving you crazy. <laughs> and, and it's fascinating. Let's say you start doing that and you go, okay, I'm not going to notice the ki- dishes in the sink. I'm going to try to like, not have that bother me for a few days. And I'm going to look at what's worthy of praise in my husband. So you start noticing and you notice, you know, he came home from work early to take the kids to soccer and the kids were squabbling that night and he was very patient with them and he didn't let it bug him. He managed whatever was going on with great kindness. And then at, at church, there was some sort of an incident and he was a, a really good mediator and he really handled it well. And you were melting down because of something that happened at the office and he was very sympathetic and caring. And here you have this caring, sympathetic, wise husband who comes home from work to take the kids to soccer and you're focusing on the dang dishes <laughs> in the sink. And, and suddenly you realize just how much our our perspective really does cause our own stress and how much 
there is to rejoice in. And suddenly you'll see that some of that stress just starts to melt away. I love that truth though, because too, I mean, even we can fall victim to this all the time, men, women, but you can look at your situation or look at, you know, how overwhelmed you are or how much you have to do and go, this, these outside elements are causing me stress. But what you've explained is it, it's the exact opposite. What's coming from the inside is what breeds the, the ground first is the breeding ground yeah. for the stress. So if we can shift that perspective by doing something internally, um, it, it will be a game changer for us. But a lot of us too just feel sometimes so affected by what's going on outside. We don't realize sometimes that we have real power. Like God has equipped us with oh, the power yeah. to shift our own way of thinking, our own priorities and our own perspective. And we can do that with his help. And, and then all of a sudden we're not affected by all of these things. We're affecting our household, Correct. our community. So it's Correct. like it's coming from the inside out. I love that so much. Well, um, and let me let me give you an example mm-hmm. of that. That science confirms this, if you don't mind. Um, where I thought this was to me, this was both hilarious and fascinating at the same time. Um, where they there was a group of plastic surgeons a number of years ago who were sub, who were thinking that Botox, you know, people get Botox injections to smooth out lines and wrinkles, right, in their face. And they were thinking that it might have an off-label use as an antidepressant, because that's one thing that a lot of medicines, you know, they start out just doing one thing and they find, oh, it does this other thing and they test it. And so they thought it might be an antidepressant because so many of their patients were suddenly reporting much better emotional equilibrium, more happiness, less depression. And so they they tested it, and they they were thinking, well, maybe it's just that they feel prettier, <laughs> you know. And that's maybe they're, they're seeing what's in the mirror happier. and going, oh, uh, that's more uh, attractive, or yeah, more, it's more agreeable yeah. for my, you know, my countenance. Right. Yeah. So they were thinking, they were thinking, oh, maybe they were just happier because they were prettier. They felt prettier, <laughs> and and they then they found no, there's statistically no correlation there. So why are they feeling more emotionally happy? Like, why is it that they're they're so much more uplifted? And they here's what they found. Botox paralyzes the frown muscles. Stop. These people <laughs> and when they couldn't make a negative facial expression, they felt less negative. Wow. And suddenly these these all these doctors were like, holy cow, like this is huge. And they ended up calling it the feedback theory. Like if you can't make it, if you can't make a negative facial expression, that the feedback to your mind and your heart is no negativity. And so you just feel more positive. And, and there's been all these other studies since then that have confirmed this. And it's like it backs up what the Bible says all along. You can skip the shot of Botox and just focus on what's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Right. You can make your face do that without Botox. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. But oh, that's amazing! How God has wired us. This yeah. is how God has wired us. Oh, so good. I love that example too, and I love I love the research aspect too because it's like okay, we have these thoughts. We want to go out and test these these theories and see like see actually through science what God is showing us, and then it's just yeah. confirmed like through all these yeah, amazing examples. Totally. Um, one of the elements that I wanted to ask you about is is something. So I I do a, I do a lot of reading about you know just the differences and what you were talking about earlier about you know not understanding like inside the 
male brain, what they're thinking, feeling, <laughs> right? And and one of the eight elements that you identify in the Devo is live according to your design. And yeah. that one spoke really powerfully to me because as women, like we are not wired the way men are. We we both like the brain is we know is highly adaptive, right? And it takes on these masculine and feminine ways of thinking because we're, you know, we can learn, we can grow, and, and the brain can flex as a muscle, right? But live according to your design. Like so many women, and me included, like don't have a true understanding of the the key differences between men and women, right? Male and female, he created them. Like, what does it mean to live according to my design as a woman? Well, God has wired us in these specific ways, right? And now, listen, I'm the first one to talk about the fact that there's generalizations, there's always exceptions. I mean, I've spent the last 15 years writing these, doing these studies on men and these studies on women and writing these books about them. And, um, and, we have found that the vast majority of women, our brains are wired a certain way. The vast majority of men, their brains are. But yes. I mean, there's always exceptions. You know, if 80% of women are wired in one way, by definition, 20% aren't, right? Definitely. Um, so, but when you look at some of the ways that we're wired, it really is clear that God has given us some specific design for a reason, and that we are supposed to be living that way instead of feeling like we should be able to do something in a different way. And and one of the classic examples of that, by the way, is we sort of feel like we're supposed to be able to be superwoman. Like we're supposed to be able to just do everything, like have it all and do it all and be it all all at the same time because that's what the movies show us. Right, that's what the that's what the magazines show us. And, oh yeah, and you're not doing like that, and you're failing. You know, yeah, like you're, you're not you're not as good as you fill in the blank, right? Yeah, as not good as this person, and we're letting down the sisterhood. You know, um, right. you know, we're supposed to be these modern women, and and it's a giant myth. God did not design us to be able to have it all and do it all and be it all all at the same time. We are not designed for that. Now we may be able over the course of our lifetime. But we're not designed to do it at the same time. We're designed to have to make choices. And we're designed to have to prioritize. God gave us these things called seasons of life. I can do certain things now that my kids are teenagers that I absolutely could not do when they were little bitty. I just, I couldn't. Like, I can literally, I I can leave my kids and go to the grocery store on my own. Thank you very much. Like, I don't have to load them into the car seat anymore. See, and I'm and in that car seat season. So I'm yeah, like, oh, go into the store by myself. That sounds amazing. Or I they don't need help. Yeah. <laughs> get there. And, and, and it's, and, but it does, it lends itself to different seasons. And there's things right now that I absolutely have to be careful to prioritize that I didn't need to as much before. Give you an example of that. So my daughter is 17. She's almost 18 years old. She's graduating in May. She's graduating um, and, and graduating from high school and going off to college, which I think is impossible because she was in kindergarten five minutes ago, right? right? Oh but she, she really is. She's about to graduate. And so I am very aware in a way that I wasn't when the kids were little bitty, like there really are only so many moments. And, you know, when the kids were little, when the kids were smaller, like when they were in kindergarten and they were in first grade and they were, you know, there were, there are certain things like they were perfectly fine with me going off and speaking at a women's event and them having camp dad, <laughs> you know, like totally. <laughs> fun stuff with dad and he would have awesome time with them. They do all those things that would make me avert my eyes. Yep. <laughs> 
listening. I'm not watching. Um, but I'm now realizing, you know what? I, there are things, no, I, I can't be away. My, my daughter is going to have all these unrepeatable senior moments. Mm. And so there are, I'm not going to be able to do as many events this year as I could do maybe a few years ago. Because I can't miss that shopping for a prom dress. You know, I can't miss that moment that is a really crucial moment before she leaves. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's seasons that we have to live according to. And so living according to our design involves all of that. Where do you see, I mean, in your own experience and and all the things you're doing, like wife and mom and all of the things, right? And all the responsibilities, where do you see this be applicable in your own life in terms of just (laughs) like, uh, I mean, and maybe it's, you know, in these eight elements, like a couple stick out to you as ones that you're really focused on right now. And and I love that you gave the, like all these concrete examples are really helpful for things like, yes, like God works in seasons. We don't want to miss what he's doing. And he's going to, he's going to be with us as the processes and seasons change. What out of these eight elements, besides living according to your design and being super present to that, which ones does God have you focused on in just your 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 life right now, this season? Right now, actually, there's there's one that's really important for me right now, which is to connect with God um, and to connect with others in life giving relationships. Um, one of the things that happened recently in my life is that you know I just was humming along, you know, wife, mom. And all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, and then a number of weeks ago, my father had a massive stroke. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's been, a, it's been a tough season. And I was in the hospital. I canceled everything. Um, I probably canceled on you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I did. Like I had to tell the folks who were booking all of the interviews about Find Rest, I'm sorry, we have to cancel everything. And I went and I was sitting in a hospital with my mom um, to help her in whatever way she needed uh, for three weeks. Now, imagine this, if you're working, if you're a working mom like, like me and like you, imagine the state of your inbox if you literally stop everything for three weeks. <laughs> I don't when want I to. Got, I don't want to. <laughs> I, got, I got back mm-hmm. and I got back and the stacks on my desk, stacks. And there is a mighty temptation when you're in a busy season of life. Like it may not be a dad having a stroke for you and you being gone for three weeks, but you know, sometimes you're in a really busy season at work because you've got some big deal you're working on or whatever, right? Or your kids have like 14 different projects and plays and activities and piano recitals all at the same time at the end of the school year or whatever. But when you're in those really busy seasons like that, it is very easy to let your time with God be the first thing that goes. And because you're so busy and you're so tired. And yet I, I realize for me, it's almost like one of one of the examples I use in in um, Find Rest in the devotion, one of the devotions is it's almost like you know that feeling that you have that's sort of semi-panicky and stressed when the battery in your cell phone starts to go down? Yeah. Like you, you, <laughs> you're out and it's like, okay, now it's at 30%. Now it's at 20. Now it's at 17. And now it's at 12. And now it's at 7. And you're like, yeah, like you get all stressed because, you know, it could go out in the middle of an important call or you may not be able to get a call that you need. And then suddenly you spot your charger 
and a place to plug in. And it's like, oh, you know, the angels start singing and you're all excited and you, you plug in and you watch the battery go back up and the stress diminishes. And it works exactly the same way with us, only our source of power isn't found in a power cord, right? Our source of power is found in plugging into God every day and multiple times a day and not letting that be the first thing that goes. Um, and so, to me, what really I'm sitting with in this season of life is, yeah, I have a stack of papers. I have hundreds of emails I have to return. I have a massive to-do list. But it doesn't really matter. I still need to have make that time to connect with God and not just in a morning quiet time, but along the way, along every day, and not let that stress get to me. When I want to snap at my kids to take a minute and go, Lord, help me not, you know, help me respond in kindness. Um, and that, to me, that's where I'm sitting right now. Oh, my gosh, it's such a good word. I, um, I totally feel you on, you know, how this is going to bless women in terms of feeling overwhelmed and just scaling it back and really prioritizing what's important. Because we know when we do make that time, and not just in the morning, you know, journaling and, and having our quiet time, but when he's truly with us throughout the day, like, when you talked about that shift of perspective earlier, like, that's what can do it. We're giving God space to, to be in it with us. And that's how we can own that change in our perspective and our yeah. way of dealing with all of the things that we come across. So I love that so much. Um, last question, and then we're, we're going to just give everybody a, a chance to find out more about how to connect with you online and where they can pick up the devotional. I, so I love this devotional for many, many reasons. And I mean, the first one is that it is visually stunning. I mean, it is stunning in every single way from the cover to every page to the artwork to just the way it's designed is so, Gorgeous is the word that comes to mind. Um, but second, I really like the way that it's formatted because it's sort of a cross between like your traditional devotional. It also has a journaling aspect to it, but it reads like a Bible study and it's this practical research based, you know, resource on the topic of rest. Like why did instead of just writing a devotional or making it a Bible study, why does it feel like all of these elements are kind of interweaved? Is that something? I mean, I'm sure it was intentional, but why did you feel like you wanted it to? I don't know, mesh well in terms of being a yeah. Bible study and a journal and a space to have a devotional and a resource. Well, because it really needed to be, like I said, like a bite-sized day-by-day, one step after the next journey. You know, what is it that's not going to be overwhelming? <laughs> what is it that's going to be a little bit of thought, inspiration, how does this apply to me? Because you have to have all of that, right? It can't just be a little bit of a lesson of what science or the Bible says. It also has to be, okay, there's a moment for me to think, okay, based on what I just read, how does that apply to me? Um, and then to see what other people say. There's some quotes in here that we pulled out on what other people have to say about that topic. And um, and they're all so beautiful. They're <laughs> They're, like you said, they're very Pinterest-worthy, really, is the way we tried to do it. Um, but to, to be able to have something that could be our own quiet time or in a group with friends, to go through and talk it through and do this together, we wanted it to be a journey that you could take al alone or that you could take with friends. And for women who, I mean, 
it's awesome because if you are, you know, at home and you're, you know, you're with your kids all day and you're not having that outside, you know, time with other women, you can do this just sitting at home, like at your kitchen table. But there are really nice moments and it really, I can see the way formatting wise, how you could sit and over just in twos and threes and four and just like in a small group, be able to to come together as women and just be in conversation about these things. I think too, like creating a culture of, of rest and creating a culture where like collectively as women, we're standing up and saying, you know what God's design for us is, is to live peaceful and to understand that we are busy, but there's a way to balance that in a way that's God honoring is so, so powerful. I just love this book so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's it's very special to me personally, so I'm glad it speaks to you. So we um, have to wrap up, and we do so at the end of each episode by doing something called The Scoop. It's three rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready, I Okay, think. cool. Okay. All right. Question one, who was your hero when you were a little girl? Who is my hero? See, we love oh, heroes at, at the okay. Heroes for Her podcast. We like to highlight yes. heroes. So no, that's my I first like question. That. This is just okay. me talking so you can think. <laughs> you are, No, 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 no. You are going to laugh so hard at this. Okay. Um, but honestly, my hero were the Charlie's Angels women. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I used to watch them in the morning before school. Like as a oh, teen, because they were oh on, I don't even know, it wasn't Nickelodeon or something. And they'd yeah. always do that pose and they'd save the day. They were the best. Yes. They were the, well, and here's the thing that I just loved when I was probably, I don't know, middle school or something, I elementary school, like I can't remember um, how old I was, but I was really captivated by this idea that you could have these beautiful women who were strong, you know, and kind of kick booty and trained to like solve mysteries and fight crime yeah it's amazing there there was something that really resonated with me about that so i know that's silly but those were those are the ones that grabbed my attention my imagination not silly i used to go to all my middle school and high school dances and my friends and i would do those poses like you know when you stand up and get your picture taken like no one went with dates obviously because we were young but um, we'd stand there and like (laughs) pose with our you know fake revolvers and you know make our charlie's angels poses it was amazing um okay question two what is a piece of advice that you have received that has impacted your life in a powerful way what is a p- oh I've gotten some really good advice. I think honestly, one of the most important things for me in my ministry and in my personal life and every other way um, really came from Henry Blackaby. Um, he wrote this amazing um, book and this amazing um, devotional called Finding God. Excuse me, not Finding God, Experiencing God. Um, and one of the things he said. And he was an early mentor and encouraged me when I first started writing. And one of the things that he said to me personally and also in the books is that we so often um, limit God by not responding when he calls us to do something. Um, Because we look at that thing, we look at whatever it is, and we think we can't possibly accomplish it. And he says, you know, that's kind of the whole point is that he's calling you to do something you can't possibly finish, to start something you can't finish. And it's only God who can. And then it's a God-sized work. And he gets all the glory, right? And 
and to not try to figure out how to make that work. Just take the next step. Like just do the one little thing that you can do and then watch and wait and see what unfolds before you. And then if another step unfolds, take that step and watch and wait. And that has been so powerful for me in every area of my life because I am a champ when I feel like I want to make something happen. I am a champ at like beating my head against a wall and trying to turn it into a door. I mean, I am really good at that. And the whole point, no, is what is God doing? Don't try to make something happen. See what he's doing and go join him. That's so good. Um, Third question. What, okay, if you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? I would, (laughs) this is going to sound funny. I want the ability um, to, this is going to sound so awful. I want the ability to see through walls (laughs) and to see what my kids are doing. I really am so fascinated now and to be able to have super hearing to listen to like what my kids are doing and saying now that they're teenagers and they're talking with their friends. I know it's horrible. It's a habit of eavesdropping probably, (laughs) but I really want to know their hearts and like hear what's going on in their lives. You probably Um, don't. (laughs) You don't. Oh, that sounds so sweet though. I really want to. So. Oh, I love it. That's so fun. I love that you have kids in the teen years. It just, it, it is encouraging to me because I've got a four-year-old, um, Ruth's yep. just four and like starting school for the first time and that early season. It's just neat to hear you it's talk so- about being so fond of your kids. And I just, I don't know, like it writes my feelings of overwhelm and frustration in my own life as a mom and a, and a wife um, and all the things that we have to do, just thinking through, you know, the time that they're going to spend in your house is short. So I just really appreciate you know, how, how present you are to the fact that your daughter's leaving and all of that. It's going to be well, a, cool, a cool transition, but hard too. <laughs> It is. And don't, hey, one of the other best pieces of advice I got was from a mom who picked me up for one of my speaking engagements and um, was driving me over to the church. And we were talking about, this was years ago. This is probably when my kids were your kid's age. Um, and, and she said she had three teenagers. And I went, oh, God bless you, sister. And she's like, why? And I was like, well, I've heard about those teenagers. She's like, don't believe it. Mm-hmm. She's like, it just gets better and better and better. And we so often cause those problems by expecting problems. That's a perspective, so, right? <laughs> yes. And so when they mm. get all lippy, we think, don't you take that tone of voice with me? And then they get defensive and we get angry and it just goes downhill as opposed to expecting it's going to get better and better. And she said, don't buy into that cultural lie. And so I was so glad for that advice. So I'll give you that advice too, because oh, it has that. really been true. Like it just does get better and better. So awesome. Shanti, it has been such an honor to to talk with you today. And I want to give you a chance right now to point people where is the best place for them to just connect with you online, find out more about you, where they can buy the devotional, all the the best ways for them to to find you on the internet. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah. Well, the devotional is at findrestbook.com. So findrestbook.com. And if they want to learn more about me and the other books and the research I've done, that's at shanti.com. Thank you so much for being here. It's been such an honor. Well, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let go.